Hello and welcome to the Third and Goal podcast. Our not-so-mini-mini-series continues tonight with a team almost as far out west as you can be in the USA. We head to Los Angeles not to be butted into a corner by Rams, but to get charged up and reinvigorated by talking about the LA Chargers. I'm joined tonight by the almost ever-present Dan Hughes and Rob Monk, but more importantly, we have a guest ready to put a spark into proceedings and talk about the season just gone, Tom. Tom, how are you doing today? Yeah, good. Thanks, guys. Thanks for uh, thanks for having me on. Pleasure to be here. Dan, Rob, how are you both? Pretty good. Brilliant. I'm amazed you keep coming up with these intros, mate. <laughs> it's all I do all day. The effort that goes into phenomenal. Gathered. Yeah, I've no money, but you know, I'm happy with the intros. <laughs> Tom, where we like to start is at the back end of the season just before, actually, um, just to get a bit of a, a feel and a taste for where you thought things were going at that point. Um, obviously, it was a fairly unsuccessful end of the season, um, wasn't it, where you lost sort of three, three on the bounce uh, in at the end of the 2019 season. Um, was it 2019-20, depending on which way you look at it. Um, but to the Vikings, the Oakland, then Oakland Raiders and, and the Chiefs, I mean... At that point, how how did you feel? So, what did you feel you needed to achieve in the off season, and um, and did you do that? Um, I think with a lot of charger seasons, there's almost that you go in every year with a sort of renewed optimism, no matter how the previous seasons finished. Um, the lines, O line, and the D line both needed addressing, really, um, which probably weren't addressed to the level we needed to. Um, the draft is always feels underwhelming at best and even even taking Herbert I don't think anyone thought that he was going to deliver sort of the performances he did um coming into last season but yeah like I say always optimism hope hope to try and avoid injuries it's inevitable we always have one or two guys that end up on injured reserve for most of <laughs> if not the entire season um but yeah no just just optimism just hoping for a bit of improvement off the back of 2018, where we where we'd finished 12 and four. Um, I hope we were hoping that 2019 was more of a blip rather than, you know, something that was uh, going to become more consistent. Mm. Well, as as you sort of slightly alluded to there, it was sort of bye bye Philip Rivers, hello Justin Herbert. I mean, obviously you mentioned there sort of <coughs> half answered this question already. You didn't feel he was going to sort of produce perhaps to the level maybe he did um, in the games he did play with you. I mean, what was there a lot of excitement around his arrival initially? What was your sort of thinking at that point? Um, see, I don't think there was. I think when we moved, obviously it was the first first sort of season in in the new stadium, and I think. From my perspective, anyway, it felt like we needed a, a face of the franchise. Obviously, with Rivers going, but Herbert just didn't seem um, didn't seem like he was going to be the guy. Not immediately, anyway. And even I think, obviously, um, you know, with Taylor coming in, Taylor was going to be the starter. And on uh, even on hard knocks, I don't think there was anything from Herbert that really suggested he was going to come in and and. Um, yeah, really lift the franchise. Like I say, not immediately. Whether you know he was going to be a, a project for a year or a couple of years and then come in, um, we knew we needed a quarterback. So at the, the point we got him, he was probably the best one to get in that spot. But yeah, like I say, I just don't think he was, you know, someone we thought was going to really take his places. Because you had sixth sixth pick, didn't you, in that draft? And um, obviously, he's who you went and went and got. You had a couple of first round uh, picks when it got Kenneth Murray. Um, 
as well. And so I guess going into week one, it's a good result against the, the Bengals. Tight, tight result, wasn't it? But um, it a good win, a bit of optimism born maybe? or Yeah, I mean, it, obviously it's always good to start with a win and it was tight and only for them missing a field goal late on, we got the win. Um, but but as a, for a change, it's um, typical Chargers usually lose these close games. It's, uh, we lose more of these one-score games than we win. Um, by quite some amount. So, yeah, no, good start, positive start. Um, not great in terms of excitement and putting up points and great plays, but nonetheless, a victory to start the season is always good. Mm, absolutely. And then, oh, typ- typical of the Chiefs' season, perhaps, a close-fought uh, close win. But, I mean, as a Chargers fan, you must have taken quite a few positives out of taking the Chiefs so deep and you know, taking them into overtime and, and only just sort of losing out there. I mean, that's a... That's a win, Fred. That's a win. Losing some just some people in this pod are really happy to win take, yeah, take the W. But, <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, that, that, as a fan, I mean, you sort of want to see where you're at and you, you're one-on-one having only just lost to the Chiefs. Again, where, where was the sort of... Uh, where, where were you at this point, I guess? Yeah, I think I think the bigger thing that came out of the Chiefs, obviously, that was the first game that um, that Herbert started. Obviously, he wasn't expected to start. Taylor mm. was was due to start the game, and Herbert came in. And I think for you know that was almost the the big thing that came out, regardless of the result. I think we always played the Chiefs relatively close. Um, you know, in terms of our division, they're one of the teams we probably play better against um, mostly. But yeah, Herbert was a big story coming out of that, and sort of even after that defeat, you had like a bit of optimism. Actually, we've maybe got something here. Well, the offence did fantastically well, actually. I mean, it was maybe not so much on the points, but in terms of the yards, I mean, Herbert, you know, 22 from 33, 311 yards, and obviously a touchdown. Your, your rushing game was good. Austin Eckler rushing for 93 yards. Joshua Kelly, 64. Um, and, you know, you've got a couple of guys receiving over 80 yards and a couple around sort of 50 and above there as well. So it's quite a, a well-spread offence, isn't it? There's sort of a few different weapons to go to there. not sort of... Seemingly not relying on the same people all the time, which is always um, always a positive. And uh, you know, keeping the Chiefs down to twenty three points again that's that's no mean feat in itself, is it? Really, um, not too many teams have, have done done that. Um, moving forward, then I guess this is where it all started to probably, you know, panic stations and a bit of worry, maybe. Yeah, I think so. Obviously, then we moved on and we lost sort of three more back to back and I think that at Tampa and at New Orleans we were we had 17 point leads in both of them um and I think just almost although it was quite early you could see the way we we would play in the first half versus the second half it was way too cautious um it was you know let's hold what we've got and you could see you know even in the early days you could see what we had with Herbert you know he was getting the ball downfield he was hitting guys uh, the odd mistake which you're always going to get from a rookie, but to then try and just run and run and run and not really pass the ball in the second half, um, yeah, it just was was just a bit too cautious. And again, it, I mean, even even them three games, we were we only lost by the one score, but you know, it's typical charges. It was the Tampa game we lost Eckler, if I remember rightly. Yeah, which obviously. Uh, is your lead back, and that has an effect in other areas of the field as well. You know that they heighten the pressure on on Herbert. It means he's got to make plays. That, you know, usually would be handoff plays, I guess, rather than it was done down throws. So, 
Eckler is a receiving back as well, is a, is a very potent weapon. So to lose him for those two games in particular certainly didn't help a young rookie quarterback trying to learn a team, trusting upon it, and he's lost one of the main people he can rely upon. Gone. So to be in those games, competing still, I think, was, it was a fair attempt from where he was. I don't think any Chargers fan would say they expected perhaps to even do that. He's a hard man to replace. I mean, Dan, obviously, I'd be interested to get your thoughts on, on the Bucks game as well, because obviously you were aside trying to find your feet at that time, you know, you're sort of a bit up and down at that point in the season. I mean, what, what was your take on that game? Obviously, Charles throwing away a big lead, but what were your sort of impressions of, I guess, of Herbert at that point, very new into, uh, new into the NFL and the team as a whole? Um, <clears throat> I was in, pleased we won it because there was times where Tampa would have lost that game. Uh, we were still finding our feet and gelling and I think we did enough on offence with the weapons we have we can bother them um, I'm surprised we went so far down but that for me was a game really early on that showed us why Tampa got Tom Brady because that's what he does he settles everyone down he doesn't panic and he leads teams back uh, sadly on the other side of the field the Chargers didn't quite have that in their quarterback you know that, that guy that has that experience and can control the game and just do what's needed to get over the line. Um, but I think Herb's got it in him for me. Hmm. He's potentially to be a very good guy. Tom, you alluded to obviously the Saints game and another one where it's sort of going to overtime and um, getting on paper, Herbert Herbert Herb having an excellent game. And obviously, I think you mentioned your 17 point lead as well. I mean, <laughs> Where did that go wrong? You mentioned, obviously, with the Tampa game, obviously, you were a bit too cautious and tried to run the ball too much, but that Saints game, was it no lessons learned? What what was the sort of story there? Yeah, I think so. I think over the course of sort of that little spell and most of the season, I think we had issues, special teams, clock management, um, just coaching decisions that, that cost us in, in so many games, even games where we held, were holding big leads and sort of still won the game. Um Badgley as a kicker was great when he came in, um, sort of undrafted, and we picked him up. And for me, the nail in the coffin for him was when he trademarked the Money Badger nickname at the end of 2019. That felt like uh, it was going to be downhill from there. And he and he had a um, you know a bit of a bad spell, a bit of an off off spell. He's he's fine within 25 30 yards, but just no consistency outside of that really. Because you did actually a fantastic job um, on having Kamara in that game. Obviously, you only had, well, you had 11 carries, but only 45 yards. Um, it was sort of more the sort of from a receiving point of view that he got away from you and Emmanuel Sanders got away from you. I mean, <sighs> you mentioned coaching, but I mean, where where does it where where can you turn this round in terms? Of obviously, you're throwing away these big leads. Is this something later on in the season you? went on and re- recovered from it better because obviously you know you had a pretty good run sort of to finish the season but um you know is this a young side that's progressing and growing or is it um the case of the talents there and you're not, you're not coached right generally because obviously you mentioned the coaching mistakes in the first five weeks there but how, how did that then progress from a coaching perspective yeah like i say i, I just think we were it, just the cautiousness of mm. you know not 
not being able to hold on to leads or, you know, trying to hold on to a lead rather than sort of stamp out our authority on a game when we've got a lead, you know, keep the pressure on. Um, cost us sort of week after week and, uh, you know, time again where we've, you know, the, the single score games that we go on to lose, like I say, we lose we lose far more of them than we win. Um, and I think, you know, we from last year, we were missing some, you know, having Derwin James out for the whole season, that's a huge loss. Um, you know, he's such a big part of that defence. Um, you know, and other players that we missed out um, through the season that were out and missed games and um, came back, but probably maybe didn't come back soon, you know, came back too soon and weren't ready. You know, we've got two or three guys that will come back for next season defensively that I think will, will be a huge, you know, will make a huge difference to how, how we operate on defence. Mm. No, of course. Obviously, one guy not coming back, I don't know if you're going to cover it later, Fred, but mm. is Anthony Lynn. Um, during a few of those games, he had some questionable, concerning, maybe if you're a fan, might be the right word, calls and choices he made. Uh, I watched hard knocks and he seemed like a really nice guy and I actually ended up kind of rooting for him. I thought he was very grounded down to earth and I think people seem to like him. Um, but he just didn't seem like he had that final cutting edge, that trust that you need to be a head coach in the NFL. Some of them calls were frustrating watching. Would you agree as a fan? You could see that? wasn't for him? Yeah, I think so. I think that's the sort of the sort of feeling you get from him, from anyone you speak to. You, especially after seeing Hard Knocks. Great guy. Seems like, you know, someone you want to root for, someone you'd love to have in the building, but probably more so as a coordinator rather than a head coach. Um, and yeah, you know, week after week, you could probably, you could pick two or three key things that he did wrong, you know, big big decisions where he, he's gone for something wrong. And that was, you could pick two or three out of seven or eight in any given game. You know, it wasn't just that he made so one or two bad calls a day. Well, it's interesting. I remember the games. Sorry, Fred, go on. So it's interesting you raised that, uh, the anti point down. The other sort of facet of Lynn I'm quite interested in is that he's quite open to criticism. You guess you get two styles of coaches, but he's quite open to criticising the team in the media and trying to sort of say put up and shut up. And obviously, I'm jumping ahead and I'll come back, I guess. But, you know, before the Patriots game, which you lost heavily, he came on saying, look, if we're going to be a playoff side, we need to be much much better side. And was quite openly critical of the players and got the exact opposite response. I mean, his media management is quite interesting as well. It's quite ballsy in the sense of, you know, you can't come out and openly criticise and then get absolutely zero response like he did in in that sort of week and I think the following week as well but I mean how do you think sort of Lynn was perceived from an outside perspective um again I, I think he was uh, I think it was just that nice guy but probably not right for the head coaching role um you know it's, it's things like clock management to me and obviously I've never coached but to me should be relatively basic you should know how to manage a a two minute drill or you know close out the end of a half and and that was a thing some, some of the games where we've got leads and we've got the ball with a minute and a half to go in you know in the opposition's half but yet we still end up giving away a touchdown and the lead gets cut and and yeah just just wrong decisions with calling plays and it, it's it's massively frustrating especially when it's it's week in week out and combined with 
just a specials team unit that was just an absolute disaster, um, culminating in what happened against the Patriots. Well, that's the thing. That's yeah, led by your coaching. Yeah, mm. your coaching gives people that direction and guidance. So the, the buck has to lie with him, right? Where I think there was one where I remember he he was a fourth down. He put the kicking team out, then decided to take a timeout and then called the kicking team off and went for it. And I remember watching it, and they wasted something like 32 seconds in doing that in a game where it was on the line. And I think afterwards it came out that it was the, the special teams guy or whatever, it's, or the offensive coordinator sent the special teams out, and he was then trying to decide and get it changed. But the buck flies with you. You guys have got to know that the start of that drive, if we come up in this situation, we do this or we do that. It, I think he came out and blamed others, but ultimately he had to take the responsibility and lead that and push that. Yeah, and I think, well, I, I think I'm, I'm, I'm sure it was after that um, that game against the Patriots where where he said that's it, he's going to take over the special teams mm-hmm. calling, and and the week after that there was just ridiculous decisions that well, were still like you, you've just said you're taking it over, but yet you're still just making mm-hmm. ridiculous calls that you just shouldn't be making. I and mean, it's a strange. It was a strange game actually because you should never. I don't think you should ever lose forty-five nil to Cam Newton who can't really throw the ball. And it was a special. It was a complete contrast in special teams' performance. I mean, New England Patriots and Bills, a defensive coach, and you know the Patriots organised very well from a special teams point of view. Were excellent from that perspective. And you guys were just abysmal making sort of errors. It wasn't so much bad decisions as so much as oh, sorry bad decisions more than it was. I guess anything in the play, just the way you were set up was was dreadful. It was just a bizarre game to watch, in all honesty, because, you know, if you, if you look at a 45-0, you think, oh, you're going to see quite a few touchdowns thrown in, you know, in terms of from a quarterback and all this sort of stuff, but it, it really wasn't that. It was just a poorly set-up side against a poor side who were very well set up and beat, yeah. basically, wasn't it, really? It was nothing really more than... Um, more than that, I mean, before those games, just to quickly recap and go back a little bit, obviously beat the Jags, as as everyone pretty much does. Um, obviously, you lost to the Broncos in a, a one-point game. You lost to the Raiders in a one-score game. And you lost to a, a good Miami Dolphins um, team. You then went and beat the Jets, but then you obviously lost to the Bills and lost to the Patriots. I mean, I guess come week 13, there's, there's genuine concerns there in terms of, you know, you've not really... Maybe beat Bengals, but you've not really beaten anyone of any notes really at that point because the Jets were rubbish, the Jags were rubbish. I mean, there must have been real worries at that point. Yeah, at that point, it's almost a uh, how is Anthony Lynn still here? How is he still, you know, head coach? Um, and yeah, at that point, again, you're almost thinking, well, the only positive at this point is we'll get a good draft pick. I mean, what were your hopes? I know we've not seen out the season yet, but like Fred says at that point, it's looking pretty dire. But going into the season, obviously watching Hard Knocks and like Dan said, Anthony Lynn came over really, really well. Seems like a great guy. But in that, they kept talking about we're going to go and win a ring and this and that. And yeah, I'm sure part of that is just, you know, trying to motivate the players and get some good team spirit going. But I don't think anybody seriously expected the Chargers to be able to do that. But did, were you hoping for a more positive season than what was happening at that point? Yeah, I think so. I think we were hoping for something and probably expecting something 
closer to 2018 and at 12 and four rather than 2019 at five and 11. Um, with, with Taylor, obviously Taylor was going to, would have been quarterback had he not been injured. Um, I, I, yeah, I don't think he's someone that's ever going to um, guide you to a, a Super Bowl. Um, but yeah, so it's, you know, certainly we'll play off with, with seven teams in the playoffs rather than six. Um, it's just a, it's you know an extra opportunity, and that felt like that's where we should have been headed. So when you look through the roster, you know Keenan Allen probably um, you know a top ten, twelve uh, receiver. Hunter Henry when he's fit, you know he's probably you know a top ten. He's he's not towards the top three of the, you know the, the main guys, but he's consistent. Um, Eckler when he's fit again, you know he's a he's a great pass catching back. Um, and some some great defensive pieces. Defensively, we should be when you look at sort of the linebackers and the secondary, we should be so much better than we are, for sure. Tom, and then then things turned around a little bit. I mean, like you mentioned, you lost a lot of one-score games, a lot of tight games. Uh, I'm sure Rob will have a say on this next one. But week 14, you go and beat the Falcons by three points, and then then you go and win a few. Only three uh, points. You lost to the Falcons yes. by scoring three <laughs> points more. I think it's what I meant to say. But um, but yeah, no, I mean you went to beat the Falcons by three points. So I mean it's a bit of a duck off your duck off your back a little bit there, I guess, really. But again, both your thoughts on this game, really, Rob and uh, Tom. Go on, Tom, I'll let you go first. Um I mean at that point at, at that point it's just nice to win a game. Um yeah, it's nice to get get a victory, and for Herbert more than anything else, you know, because he's been playing relatively well. The the numbers are quite good, and and it's just defeat after defeat. What you don't want to do is have him completely demoralised and go into the you know finish the season just off the back of losing. So, uh, so yeah, it's it, yeah, it's just nice to win and uh, and get a victory. And then uh, Rob, well, I mean, a few weeks before we beat in the Raiders forty three six, we then went and lost. 21-16 to the Saints, which again was a game I felt we could have won. And with 17-10 up against the Chargers at halftime, and then we didn't score another another point after that. And going into the game, it was definitely a game I thought we could win. Um, throughout the game, you know, I thought it was two teams which were, you know, I think the Falcons are better. Well, we are a better team than what we should throughout the season as well. And I think it were two teams that were like low on confidence. Some bad calls from from either side but you know to be 17 10 up and then not score a point in the second half and then then win it on a field goal as time expired was you know another sickening loss in the falcon season really i mean rob i guess <laughs> i guess what, what i'm interested in um here is obviously you know dan's given us a guess a bit of a description of the charges early on against the Bucks. I mean, I think my opinion's a bit in, invalid because it was just a horror show from the Chargers' point of view against the Patriots. But, you know, what, what were your perceptions <coughs> of the Chargers? I mean, obviously you mentioned you didn't score a point in the second half. Was that, you know, Falcons' ineptitude or was that the Chargers actually were very good in that second half defensively and did enough offensively? And obviously seeing Herbert come on, what were the sort of thoughts there? You know, I've said to you guys enough that, you know, our offensive coordinator had a... <laughs> a book on a cigarette packet and you know bad calls bad decisions football that didn't work for us um and we're our own worst enemy in on the offensive side of the ball or we have been for the last couple of years um i think you know i, I watched the charges like i said in hard knocks and 
you know, they came across really well and I was excited to see how their season had progressed with Taylor and, and then obviously drafting Herbert. And I'd seen a bit of them and like I said before, I think, you know, it were just two teams that at that point were probably low on confidence and probably had some coaching issue. Both teams had coaching issues and I think it were a game or a scrappy game that either team could have won. The Falcons could have, you know, we could have won it by three points, but we lost it in the last few seconds, really. And then, Tom, you went on to the Raiders, who, in my eyes, are the only proper team to beat the Chiefs last year. I know you beat them last week, but they were playing complete second string. Um, and you won that game in overtime. Again, you know, it's another tight game where you've come out on top. And <laughs> at this point, do you feel happy that you sort of turned it around to a degree and you're winning these tight games and you've gone into overtime and won this game? Or are you thinking, well, actually, no, we could have done this much earlier in the season. We're showing we can do this. Actually, this is quite a frustrating experience as a fan. What, what are your sort of thoughts there? Yeah, I mean, it's it, on one hand, it's a, it, it is sort of a relief to go sort of two weeks in a row. Actually, we, we can win these close games. Mm. But then, you, yeah, you look back at earlier in the season and think, well, how many of these close games have we lost? Similar with last season, how many of these close games have we lost? Um, but again, it, I think it, it's always nice to beat teams in your division. Um, you never wanted to finish a division um, having not won a single game. Um, so that's a positive. And again, I think at, at this point, you're just, you're just trying to make sure you build some confidence for Herbert, um, build some momentum for him and just, just get some victories on the board. Because I mean, as, as you mentioned, obviously you lost, you know, prior to this six one score games. And, you know, you mentioned obviously you wanted something more akin to not the season gone, but the season prior to that. I mean, you know, even if you win four of those, all of a sudden you're, you know, 11 and five and not seven and nine at the end of the season, aren't you? Because you then go and beat the Broncos in another close game. And then the Chiefs second string, you, you beat quite comfortably, don't you? But I guess looking on, I mean, unless you've got anything, if there's anything to add, let us know on those last two weeks, I guess, really. But, you know, moving on now, you tails up a little bit in terms of Herbert's had a good rookie season, hasn't he? And, you know, you've done okay there, haven't you, in the end, but not as well as what you'd have hoped. But, you know, obviously in the off-season and going forward, what are your sort of thoughts and what are you hoping for? Yeah, I think, you know, it's we went into the season probably not knowing for sure that we had a, a you know, our quarterback solution in place. Mm. Um, whereas we know, you know, we know Herbert's a guy now. We've got the guy. <laughs> so already, you know, it's a, it's a bad season, but you... Well, you know, you go into next season with that bit of positivity. We've got Herbert. He's had, you know, almost a full season of experience now. Um, we still bring back some of the guys. Um, from a coaching perspective, I think we'll, we'll be a lot, a lot better next season. Um, so, yeah, you, you, it's, you just go in with that renewed optimism now. Um, I, I just want to ask a question because Dan will absolutely love it. But... If, <laughs> um, if the Dolphins had drafted Herbert and you'd have drafted Tua, would there still be a massive question mark over your long-term quarterback at this stage now? Good question. <laughs> um, having seen what we've seen from Tua, then in, in my eyes, yeah, but knowing how we operate, then we would probably give Tua a lot of time to you know develop um and whether Taylor would have come back in later on in the season just to give him a you know a bit of a break, especially when we were losing game after game after game. Um, 
yeah obviously from our perspective we've uh yeah we've definitely got the better better of the two charges are in a far better position Tom, I mean, looking looking forward, I mean, I've got a friend who's a Chargers fan. He's convinced Zach Ertz is going your way. I don't know if you've got any any view on that. Yeah, I think um, there's a lot of noise that he's the tight end. We are, you know, we're wanting we're wanting to bring in. I think um, I almost think with Hunter Henry, he had his heart set or his mindset on going to the Patriots. Mm. Um, Anyway, which is probably why he wasn't tagged and kept. Um, but yeah, I think uh, there was a lot of noise before uh, Lindsley signed that we'd be signing him. Um, and now Zach Ertz, um, there's a lot of noise there. So hopefully we can um, we can bring him in and hopefully draft someone in the later rounds just to, uh, as a bit of a project. It's that exciting time in the close season where we're, I think we're all convinced we're going to win our divisions because of all the players we're linked with and all the players we might be getting um is that you know Ertz aside and obviously you mentioned Lindsay is there any you know are there any other big names you sort of linked with there or anyone that excites you particularly from what you've read um no uh, we've got um Matt Filer from the Steelers so he's joined I think that's the, the big thing we needed was offensive line um hopefully we can bring some of the guys back um always um Defensively, obviously, we'll get somebody. Uh, yeah, we'll get Derwin James will be back. We had guys at the end of the season who were on injured reserve as well. So Drew Trank- Tranquil will come back. Um, Melvin Ingram, he should stay, so he'll come back. Um, so defensively, we're good. Obviously, we've, we've Casey Hayward has been released, uh, partly probably due to his cap, but also I don't think he'll give us the flexibility we need. Um, for the new coach. So, um, so hopefully we can bring someone in maybe with a bit of experience. Um, there's some quiet news or, you know, a few bits of news around Adoree Jackson, because obviously he's been released. So maybe we could get him in. Um, but other than that, I think it will be what, whatever we can do in the draft then. Well, yeah, that was, that was my next question, I guess, really. So I guess with, with who you brought in and who potentially you might be getting in, in this period of time, come draft, what are your big needs? Um, so I still think it'll be offensive line if we don't bring a cornerback in um, we'll need a cornerback um, so depending on the, the draft I think if we could get if Sean Slater falls we could grab him um, he'd be a good pickup. Um, if not we could maybe even go go wide receiver um, I think we saw last season that Justin Herbert managed to get some production out of some guys we maybe wouldn't see you know Jalen Guyton was actually surprisingly good uh, some of the rookies didn't do too much but actually if we could get uh, maybe Jalen Waddle uh, with his speed as a bit of a down you know downfield threat would be um, would be useful alongside Allen and Williams who tends not to stay fit for the whole season anyway I mean Tom I think I know where where this answer is going but I know obviously Last year, you had higher hopes than what you achieved. What does good look like for next year? What, I mean, you're sorry that, as we sort of alluded to, we're not a million miles away in a lot of your games last year. You've got a, you no longer got a rookie quarterback. You got a year two quarterback, and he did well in this rookie year. I think everyone would agree. Um, you know, potentially getting a few extra weapons in as well. What are you thinking? What what's good look like for you? Um, I think we have to be close to, if not in the playoffs next year. Mm-hmm. 
just with the schedule, we play NFC East, so you know that should be games we should win, and we should be winning Three more. Yeah. Best league in the world, but exactly. Um, uh, we do play the uh, AFC North, but again, I'm not sure that the Steelers are as good as they have been in recent years, um, and we should definitely be maybe not on pace with the Chiefs, but certainly sort of the best of the rest in that division. Well, again, my friend who's a, who's a Chargers fan would agree with you. He's sort of, you know, he's saying we're going to get to 11 wins, 10, 11 wins, maybe 12 wins, which, you know, you're not going to be a million miles away from the Chiefs either. Um, that way, they're sort of just getting rid of their O-line, aren't they? So who knows what will happen, I guess, really, from their perspective. But there's a lot of positivity around the Chargers camp, and I think probably rightly so as well. Yeah, I think so. I think we, you know, just with that quarterback situation being set, and I don't think there's this huge gaps. You know, we're not needing a, a number one receiver or a number one running back. It just feels like now we need, we do need a couple of positions. So offensive line, we need a cornerback. We now need a tight end. But actually, other than that, it's just probably a bit of, of you know, a couple of backups, um, a bit of building out the squad. Um, we should be, we should be sort of primed for next year. A backup I was just going to ask was if you let Tyrod Taylor go, you're probably not going to draft another QB with Herbert there who looks like it could lead you guys for five years plus. Who do you bring in as backup QB? Who would you like to see? Um, I don't really know. I'm not really sure sort of where, where we want to go with it. Eastern Stick, who obviously is now, I guess, technically the backup, is not the guy. He's not good enough he wasn't good enough last year in pre-season mm-hmm. so he, he's not the guy so we definitely need to bring someone in um but it just needs to be someone cheap enough that we can invest enough in the offensive line to uh to protect herbert for sure may i suggest alex smith <laughs> would be useful mm. he can do a job if you need him to he coached Mahomes for a year then he sat behind him controls the pace of the game well I think he'd be, yeah, I think he has the attributes that Herbert would need help with. Herbert's got ability on his own. Um, I think Alex Smith could help him in the other areas of the game. Um, I don't know. I think he'd be cheap enough as well, coming to retire his career, pack up his kids and go and live in the sunshine. And I think that would sit quite nicely. Yeah, no, I think I think he would be sort of he'd be a great addition. It's whether and obviously at this point I don't think he is a starter, but is he going to go somewhere where he knows he's not going to play? Would he want to go somewhere where he where he thinks maybe he's got a you know an opportunity to compete? Yeah, I don't know. I don't think I don't see him as someone who's scrambling to find a starting role personally. Um, someone like Fitz, for instance, which maybe would have been another really good option to put in there. Um, got experience leading a rookie, but I think he still wants to play. Mm. I yeah. think Alex Smith would be quite happy to, whether it be looks to coach him, whether it looks to be earn a small bit of dollar in the sunshine. I think he's grateful. I think to still be part of the sport, and at times probably he's grateful to still be walking, um, and he appreciates that. I think the point on Smith's quite a good one as well. You got remember he was third in the depth chart when he uh, with Washington at points last year. And obviously that was no issue to him, and he came in and did a good job, didn't he, with with what he had? So I think that's, yeah, it seems like quite a good fit actually, doesn't it? Yeah, yes, definitely. <laughs> um, Dan, Rob, any other questions at all for Tom there at all? No, no, I'm all good, mate. Thank you for joining us. 
Oh, just one more point I wanted to talk about. Obviously, a point Rob raised last week, actually, about Dan and I taking every opportunity to bash the Falcons. And as a podcast, that tries to be fair to all teams. I hope that hasn't come across like that to you, Tom, uh, at all there, has it? No. Great. So, <laughs> Definitely in case, not. I've just got one more question for you then, Tom, if that's OK. I want you to cast your mind back to the 23rd of October 2016, when the then San Diego Chargers beat the Falcons in overtime 33-30. Just how good did that feel? Phenomenal. <laughs> Just on top of the world. <laughs> Fantastic. Couldn't ask for anything more. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, if no one's got anything... Random, could have picked any game. It was just a random game he drew out. <laughs> I just came this strung to mind that bit. I don't know why. Um, but yeah, no, great. Look, Tom, thanks so much for coming on. Um, I'm sure we've really enjoyed it. And um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, it's been great. Thanks for having me. Uh, great yeah, work nice. on the podcast. Keep up. Yeah, thanks so much. Thanks, Tom. Cheers, Tom. Cheers, Tom. Thank you. Cheers. Bye. Bye.